Hey, 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 this is the Joy Girl Podcast, and I am Dara Avery Trainer. I am so excited about our guest today. His name's Brad Williams, and you are in for such a treat. He is amazing. We had the best conversation about joy from building confidence to celebrating wins to even dealing with pain and tragedy. I swear he plagiarized my book and he didn't even know it. We were so in tune on things about joy. So you're really going to enjoy the podcast. If you don't know who Brad Williams is, well, he is one of the funniest, most in-demand comedians working today. Brad started doing stand-up at age 19. He's been touring ever since. He has appeared on numerous TV shows, including The Tonight Show, Jimmy Kimmel, and Comedy Central. His one-hour comedy special, Fun Size, was the highest-rated comedy special on Showtime. Brad's show is high energy. Robin Williams once called him Prozac with a head. Please help me welcome Brad Williams. Well, I am so excited today to have Brad on the Joy Girl podcast because he's not only very funny, but he's going to have some really awesome insight to just life, laughing, happiness, all things joy. Uh, he's shaking his head. He's not making these promises. I am. But um, no, I know it's going to be an amazing time. Um, my husband, Sean, and him go way back. So I'm really, really looking forward to today. So Brad, welcome. And the question I ask everyone to kick this off. So here you go. What is something that brings you joy? And it can be anything your heart desires. Ooh. <laughs> um, so I could say the answers that I'm supposed to say. I'm supposed to stay, do say, you know, my do- my daughter's laughter mm. or, uh, or um, you know, a smile or a compliment from my wife or the, or the <laughs> laughter of an audience when I tell a joke on stage. But I think um, something that brings us joy, we should now in the time of algorithms, you can just open up your... Uh, your um, Instagram or your TikTok and you'll find out exactly what actually brings you joy because they know. <laughs> so they're putting videos on you that are, you know, in in front of you that brings you joy. So what brings me joy based on my Instagram algorithm are uh, grown men um, uh, crashing through tables and pro wrestling events and huh. uh, 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 chiropractic videos. That's wow. what, that's what bring that's what brings me joy. Well, that is, um, I don't know if I should say unsettling or very insightful. <laughs> well, according to that, I think like shoes and puppies bring me joy. So I, I love yeah. where you go with that. Yeah, I, I, it, it's really interesting. <laughs> now you can really find out who you really are by opening up your Instagram and being like, well, what does Instagram say I'm going to like? Because it's based mm. on all my uh, likes and views or whatever, it's whatever algorithm that they're using. And hmm. for me, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, pro wrestling videos, it's chiropractic videos, it's, uh, clips of comedians. Okay. And of course it's women in bikinis. Cause yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. You know, those are the things that bring you joy. I like it. I, I, <laughs> anyway, the, I think... uh, the, the other sappy things do bring me joy. Yes. I right. love the sound of my daughter laughing. Yes. I uh-huh. love it when, uh, I make audience laugh. Obviously, I enjoy a compliment from my wife. Uh, I all those things make me happy. I was just trying to give you an answer that no one's given you before. You know what? Mission accomplished. And it's you know you can't argue Done. it because you did it. Because you're right. <laughs> Who knows us better than Instagram and Facebook and our social media feeds? So it there is you go. strange how satisfying <laughs> those chiropractic videos are for me. I watch a chiropractic video. Some it's, some guy just 
grabbing someone and just lifting them up and you hear the pop and I'm just like, uh, maybe it's because I have uh, a bad back. Maybe yeah. like I hear that and I'm just like, oh, they, 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 they probably feel so much relief right now. And then I then I feel good. You know, it's funny because Sean, he, he watches those pimple popper videos, which I know is not the same thing as cracking a back, but I am so disturbed by it. He's like, no, no, look, look. I'm like, there, you can't pay me to look like that. Just it, it like makes yeah. me lose my appetite. Like, no, but he finds those. And apparently he's not alone. Cause that's a thing that, you know, but yeah. I don't know if that has uh, anything to do with cracking and, back, but that's where my head went. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah, my wife watches like ASMR cooking videos on on uh-huh. YouTube. So okay. the only sound you get is like the sound of like the <laughs> water boiling and the brush brushing on the butter or chopping. Like that's the only sound you get. Yeah. You don't get any ambient noise or music. And she huh. loves those and I and then I watch them I'm like, "Yeah, this is kind of satisfying. I get it. I get it." <laughs> I like cooking shows in general, but then I want to try the food. Like I, I'm Italian. I grew up like everything was about mm. food. My dad would talk about at breakfast, what are we having for lunch? I mean, it was always food. And so when I watch those shows and they describe the food, I just feel sad. I think, I, I think it yeah. brings me more sadness than joy that I'm not there. I, I can know. tell you're Italian because you're having a very difficult time holding the iPad with both hands. Oh, it's it's about to go away. This is starting like, <laughs> oh, professional. She did a research. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, my hands are are trapped. Yeah. No, now, I, I now, use the hands now they're going. all the time. <laughs> Let them free. Yes. Yes. Okay. So first question, what was the moment that you thought to yourself, I am funny. I could make this into a living, that aha moment where you thought, mm. I, this is not just a hobby. This is something that I could do as a career. Um, almost 20 years ago, it'll be 20 years in October, okay. uh, where uh, I was at the Brea Improv Comedy Club. I was there with my dad. And mm. uh, we were watching a comedian, and he was making jokes. And then he made, and then he made midget jokes. And I was laughing. The mm. uh, for those for your audience who doesn't know, I am a dwarf, a little person, person of short stature, whatever. Uh, if this is an is this an audio or a visual podcast? Both. both? So yeah, both. no, that's yes. Cool. If you're just on the audio, I know it's tough because it's like my voice doesn't sound like what you think a dwarf would sound like. I'm not like oh, okay, let me tell you about my aha moment. It's about to happen, Rachel. No, it's not. It's not like that. Um, <laughs> no. So 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 the comedian starts making midget jokes. I'm laughing. The audience around me is not laughing. The comedian uh. recognizes that they're not laughing, and he go and he actually says, "Why aren't you guys laughing? These are funny jokes." And he says, "What is one of them here?" And I raised oh. my hand in the air, and he called me up on stage, and no he way. started asking me questions. And my answers, I was answering honestly, but my answers got laughs, and hmm. that was that was the moment. That was the moment where that was the shot of adrenaline to the arm. That was the moment where I'm like, oh, now my life is completely different. There's, you only get about four or five moments in your life where mm-hmm. you know that your life is doing one thing until that moment. And right. Then for, and then that moment happens and now your life is completely different. You know, a birth of a child, um, mm-hmm. that's often one of those moments. But uh, that's definitely one of them for me is that moment where I went, yep, I'm going to do this. And I knew that going to school the next week was going to be really tough because I <laughs> knew that I didn't need school for this job. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. 
I love that because sometimes it's a journey and it's like, well, you know, at school I could make people laugh. I liked the attention or whatever, but yours was such a moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really was. And I love speaking, but I like to be prepared. So, you know, to just get up there in that moment, literally improv and work the crowd and not even know that's what you were going to be doing that night. I think it shows you were born to do this. I mean, that's so cool. I mean, in so many ways, uh, yeah. uh, my dad, my dad prepared me to be a stand-up comedian without ever realizing that he prepared me to be a stand-up comedian. Um, my dad is average size. Uh, my mom's average size. I'm mm-hmm. not. And, uh, my dad had a very realistic view of the world. So he mm. knew that I would, that I would be bullied and I would be made fun of in school. So his philosophy was that mm. he was going to teach me comebacks and how to bully back. So he and huh. I would write jokes even before kindergarten. Wow. We would write jokes and write comebacks. So when I was made fun of in school, I would immediately have a comeback right there and bully the bully. And, uh, it worked very well. And, uh, I, I didn't even know, but that was sort of like preparing me to be a comedian. It, it, Cause I would, I would, I would prepare, I would have material and, uh, and, Sometimes kids would make fun of me thinking that I was an easy target. They would find out very quickly that I was not. That's so cool. So I actually have a chapter on confidence in my book because I feel that in order to have sustainable joy, you have to know who you are. You have to be confident. And the world is not always going to reinforce that you're great or, you know, you're going to have people that try to tell you who you are. You got to know who you are for yourself. And so I love that your dad from a very young age instilled in you that, you know what, own who you are and be ready for an answer. Don't let somebody else tell you who you are. You you tell them who you are. That's so cool. So yeah. how does that channel on a stage? Because obviously you're going to deal with rejection. Sometimes jokes aren't going to land right. How do you, sure. like, what would you give somebody listening who's not a confident person? Like, what would be, other than write jokes oh, wow. <laughs> when you're bullied? Wow. Um, how do you gain, how do you build confidence? Um, well, one thing that I, I don't think that some people realize is that, uh, is that you kind of have to get these little wins and you have to be prepared before you like I can't just go out on stage without writing without preparing without doing anything mm-hmm. my first time doing stand up and then kill and get a standing ovation like that's not going to happen right um I have to prepare and so like even my first time on stage I had been on stage many times before I was in improv comedy troops mm-hmm. I was in high school theater and just always on a stage and always kind of the funny guy so I was prepared in that in that way and some people think like, mm. if, so if you're lacking confidence, it, it, it's weird to prepare to be confident, but I, but I would say l- little wins, um, mm. wh- whether that be, um, okay, today I'm going to start a conversation with a stranger and not have them look at their phone or leave or leave awkwardly within 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Set, set yourself a little time frame, Like, okay, I'm going to have a 30 second conversation with a stranger. 30, 30 seconds is longer than you think. Um, and <laughs> just do that. And uh-huh. little wins and that in that way if you're coming up to something like a big presentation a big speech like if you have a best man speech and you're not used to talking in public try little things like that little little wins that help build your confidence not to make this about sports but mm-hmm. oftentimes when there's a new quarterback 
mm-hmm. um, you know, the start the starting quarterback gets hurt and they got to put in the backup. Oftentimes, what a coach will do is he'll design short passes, short, quick, high efficient passes, so that the quarterback can build that confidence where he goes, "Okay, I'm completing passes. I can do this. I can yeah. I can achieve at this level." Um, so I would say set yourself up to have little victories, uh, which sounds like the name of one of my books, uh, if, if I were to write one. Um, okay, but, so yeah, set yourself go on, up go for on. I'm victories, so excited right now. You have no idea. And then, and then you'll build, you'll, you'll build, you'll build from that. Okay. Not a shameless plug at all, but I'm just so you know, I'm holding the book here and the third yep. chapter is called small wins. So I know you didn't read this book, which this was meant to be. I no longer need notes, which happens pretty much every time I talk to someone. Um, But no, I actually talk about the fact that so often in life, especially if you're an achieving type of person, which unfortunately I fall into that category, that we set so many goals for ourselves that are so almost unattainable to challenge ourselves. But then we fall short and we don't celebrate little things along the way that could have led to bigger things because we're gaining confidence. And because when we realize this deserved, I don't know, you name it, a piece of cake, or this deserved some moment in my life to say I did something good, then we don't worry about like setting a bar too high or constantly dealing with our own rejection. So I literally talk about how small wins lead to bigger wins but you have to be willing to yeah. just say, okay, if the goal is to write a book, then celebrate the first chapter that's done. Celebrate when you get an editor. Celebrate everything. Don't just be like, okay, end goal. If I don't get there, then you're more likely to succeed yeah. is the way I see it. Absolutely. And this could be in all walks of life. You can tie this into health. You can tie this into weight loss. Mm-hmm. Like you say, oh, I, 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 I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay. Yeah. Well, 30, 30 pounds has to start with you doing some sit-ups or you yep. eating two yep. meals of just steamed vegetables every day or you yep. like little things, not, I mean, like, you know, getting the gym membership, not even going, yeah. just, get, just, get, yeah. just, get, just getting the membership. Just I swear you read the book. Things. I literally talk about this. <laughs> You, I mean, really See, seriously, I talk about, don't, don't think of 30. It's overwhelming. Think of five. What are you going to do? How are you going to reward yourself with five? Go buy a new yeah. pair of, of, of Nikes or what are you going to yeah. do? You know, to say, I'm celebrating this. I'm more likely than to get to 10 to then to 15. Yeah. I'm halfway. Yeah. It's all just th- small things at a time can lead to greater yeah. things. And I think in a career, that's so important. Like with what you do, like if the yeah. goal is to do a Netflix special or all the things that you've done in life that are, people would look at and say, oh my gosh, wow, how did he accomplish that? I'm assuming you always had big dreams and goals, but you started with, okay, well, it's another opportunity to get a, in front of an open mic and to make some people laugh yep. and, you know, tweak a exactly. joke. It, it starts that way. Yeah. I I get asked a lot of times when I do, when I do interviews, uh, pe- people say like, what was your big break? Yeah. And I go, well... There wasn't one. I right. say there was about eight or nine little breaks that led to the next break that led to where I am now. Yeah. So there's so there's really those signposts along the career. You, you and mm-hmm. stand up is a really good metaphor for life in this way because no one just starts doing stand up comedy and then they have a Netflix special. Right. It's not. It's not what happens. Right. You have to. You have to build it up. And whether that be going on for open mics, starting as a host, moving from host to feature, 
doing mm-hmm. uh, moving from feature to baby headliner where you're just on off nights where you're playing clubs where they comp out the room where they just give away the tickets just so you have people in the audience to right. then selling a few tickets to then selling out the Saturday early show. And like right now I'm at a point where um, I'm selling out every show at a club. So now mm. we're starting to do theaters and we're like, mm. okay, can I, can I sell out a theater? And yeah. a couple of them we have and a couple of them we've added second shows. So now we're trying to sell out the second show. So it's just these, all these little goals mm-hmm. that are there along the way and having those signposts along the way that you can hit uh, really helps you stay motivated. And uh, you know what? Um, I'm just, I'm not going to write that book. I'm just going to put my picture on your book and then say yeah. that, and then say that, say that I did it. And cause I feel like we're friendly now. I won't say it's plagiarism. I'll just say, Oh yeah, we kind of yeah. thought about this on yeah. the spot. I just happened to write about it two years ago, but it's good. Sure. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that works. I'll send you the commission checks though. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, so you are actually one of my favorite types of comedians where you do are very story driven. And and I and I remember you even saying in one of your mm-hmm. things, like, hey, you can't make this up. Like I literally live my life, funny things happen, and then I share them. Oh. And I think that is so cool. But what have you learned by doing that? Because I do think there's such vulnerability that comes with not just having a bit that is like, haha, but it's so connected to who you are. And that's like, to me, any art form, that's my favorite because I feel like you're getting a window into someone's life. And so what has, what have you learned along the way by being willing to share, Hey, this is what happened when I was in Brazil and I got mugged, or this is what happened at a McDonald's (laughs) and I got into a fight with a kid or, you know, like these things you're willing to allow people into your, to your world. And I I mean, as a writer, whatever you do in life, that's, I think that's important to do for people to feel like they know you. Well, and thank you because those are my favorite types of comics as well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Now don't, don't get me wrong. I can look at a Mitch Hedberg or uh-huh. an or an Anthony Jesselnik who yep. just ta- who who just writes one one joke that's by that's by itself it can stand alone it's not truthful in terms of it's not it's not autobiographical right. when when Anthony Jesselnik says my mom said this no she didn't but <laughs> the joke is still brilliant um I adm- I admire those guys I am mm-hmm. in awe of them because they can create from nothing. Whereas right. I, I, I have to live the story. But one thing that I've, one <laughs> right. thing that I've learned um, doing these types of stories is you – so you mentioned a couple of my jokes including yeah. uh, getting mugged in Brazil and getting <laughs> into a fight with a kid at, at, at a McDonald's play place. Yes, <laughs> those are stories that happened to me. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've learned doing story material is that we're all – we all think good or bad – when we, when we experience things in our lives that we're just like, oh, this is only happening to me. Mm. Only I know this. Only mm. I know what, what this is like. And the answer all the time, I've been proven wrong over and over again, is not true. Everyone has gone through some version of what you've gone through. Yes, I got mugged in Brazil, but people have been mugged. People have been robbed. People have been into uncomfortable positions. Uh, yes, I got into a fight with a kid at a McDonald's play place. Um, but you're telling me that you've never <laughs> gotten into a fight with a kid or, um, or looked at a kid and then had to fight their parents or had a, or had a <laughs> confrontation in some way, or you wanted to punch a kid, but you couldn't cause you know, kids, <laughs> yeah. um, 
So we've all, so one thing I've learned through that is that we all have these shared experiences and these shared emotions. Yes, I, yes, I'm a little person, which uh, statistically not that many people are. Um, mm. I might get four little, little people at my shows for a weekend, but everyone mm. in that room is going to have an experience similar to mine. Mm. It's not necessarily dwarfism, but it's whatever struggle they've had. It's whatever interaction they've had. So that's what I've learned is that when, and, and I want to emphasize that because so many people think that when something bad happens to them or they're, or they're suffering from depression or there's Mm -hmm. events in their lives and they feel like I'm the only one who is shouldering this burden. No, there are other people out there that are, that are doing that too. And if you reach out and if you, uh, look for support, many times you'll get it and, the relief that you will feel when you realize that other people are out there, I cannot emphasize enough how mm. immense and just relieving it is when you find other people out there that are going through similar things than you. Right. And I think that speaks to your willingness to be vulnerable, authentic, and and connect. I mean, because there's just yeah. something about, like you're saying, telling a story and, and you've gotten to live a pretty amazing life and travel and do things maybe that people wish they could do. But everywhere you go, it, no matter what culture you're in, there's people, there's food, there's commonality. Yeah. Yeah. There's commonality yeah. that we all share. Yeah. And one thing that kind of helps me with this. So the one of the uh-huh. best pieces of advice I ever got in terms of stand-up and improv comedy it's going to sound morbid and hmm. dark at first. <laughs> okay. Let me explain it. Okay. Sure. The, the advice is nobody cares about you. Now, sounds horrible. Hmm. But what, what that means is I had an I had a improv comedy teacher tell me that one time. When, when, when we think people care about us, that they're obsessing about us, that's when it's hard to write a joke or it's hard to say the thing because you're like, oh, everyone's going to think that's stupid. Everyone's going to think that's dumb. It's hard for you to buy the outfit that you want to wear because you're like, oh, everyone's going to judge me. Everyone's going to think, no, nobody cares. Mm. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. um, (laughs) It's okay. No, you're good. (laughs) Nobody nobody cares in that they're not going to be thinking about, oh, you and your top or your joke or your thing. They're too busy thinking about themselves and how everyone's viewing them. So when I go on stage and I tell a joke and the audience doesn't laugh, I don't get in my head in terms of like, oh my God, now they think I'm not funny. They're they're already amazed that I'm on stage doing this thing that statistically (laughs) uh, uh, like three-fourths of them are terrified of doing. So that's what they're – and they're putting themselves in my shoes and going like, oh my God, I can never stand up here and never talk to people and mm-hmm. never come back from that heckler and things like that. So, mm-hmm. and I try to remember that because I have friends that will call me and tell me stories and it's like, oh, Sharon at the office, you know, she doesn't like me and she goes home and she's thinking about all the ways she can make my life worse. And I'm like, no, she's not because she doesn't care. She doesn't right. care about you. She, right. she, she's not devoting that much of her time. She's too busy trying to figure out her own life. So mm-hmm. that nobody cares about you mentality, you can apply to many things, not just the not just the performing arts. I think that's very brilliantly said because I think of so Taylor Swift. I know you never thought this is where I was going. Taylor Swift was just in <laughs> in Dallas in town, and I work okay. with tons of girls, and so 
obviously that's like the it thing this weekend is what are you wearing to Taylor Swift's show? And, but it's not about her. It's the relatability of everybody's had their heart broken. Everybody, the reason it works is because everyone finds themselves, like you said, in the story. And that's why it connects. That's why people are. And and I think so often we can make it about ourselves, but it's not. It's the emotional connection someone has to say, I, I understand. I I feel like I'm living this with them. It's that kind of thing. It's like we all share that in some way. So yes, that's what it made me think of. Listen, I've never been dumped by Jake Gyllenhaal, but I've been dumped. (laughs) So I know. And I've been I've been 16 years old, so mm-hmm. I know I know what that feels like. So yeah, right. it, it, it it's uh, the and whether it be history or whatever, everyone thinks that everything that's happening right now is the first time this has ever happened, and it's right. just, that's just not that's not the case. No. There's people out there that have, that have, that have experienced it. Um, uh, there's uh, things that have happened that in everyone thinks like, oh my god, right now. Our country has never been more divided than right now. And it's like, I, I went to the Muhammad Ali Museum in Louisville uh, three weeks ago, and I was reading some of the newspaper articles that were written about him and about the Vietnam War and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, this 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 seems really familiar. This, this, this seems like what's the kind, the kind of language that's happening right now. Not, right. not to get into politics or anything like that, but it, it's just the greater sense of – Everything that you think is brand new, it's happened yeah. before. It's done. Nothing new under the sun. I agree. Yep. So speaking of um, like just shared experience, when I was writing, I really felt that I needed to touch on pain, which mm-hmm. at first you're like, okay, I want to, you know, I wanted to write something upbeat. I wanted to write something on joy more than ever before. I feel like when I talk to girls, they're talking about anxiety or depression. And yes, some of that is, is you know, from their, their past or some of that is absolutely true. But a lot of it is just language. I think we've used sometimes to cope with things that we just don't have clarity on. So we're like, Oh, I'm so anxious about this, but I felt like pain needed to be addressed. And I know with comedy, there's this relief that comes from laughing and joy, but oftentimes artists deal with a lot of depression or they've had things in their life that have really shaped their art and their craft. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. can speak to anything about that. I know I didn't want to. (laughs) And then some things happened and I'm like, now I have to share part of my story of pain and how joy can still exist. So any words of wisdom on pain and and suffering? (laughs) Don't you love that? All right, let's go. Um, Well, first of all, uh, like, jokes in general for me <laughs> that jokes are my coping mechanism that's how when there's an uncomfortable situation i have to make a joke about it it's <laughs> just that's my go-to place that's my happy place to provide levity in a dark and serious situation <laughs> and a lot of times where comedians get in trouble is where something horrific happens in the news we make a joke about it because that's how we're coping with this horrible thing. Right. And that's not everyone's coping mechanism. And mm. if you make a joke about it and that's not their coping mechanism, they get very upset at you. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm thinking about a joke I made on a, on a text thread with a bunch of comics this morning. And I was like, please, nobody post this because I'm absolutely going to get canceled. Um, you're, you're with your people. I think they should allow it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and they, yeah. and 
they all <laughs> they laughed at it. it. And I'm like, and, and I'm like, thank you. You guys, yeah. I had to tell somebody <laughs> if, if I told my wife, she would think I'm a monster. So I so like, but that's, that's how I deal with stress. And that's how hmm. I deal with pain. That's my coping mechanism. So hopefully you can find a healthy coping mechanism that's not, you know, ice cream or, <laughs> or, or, or hard drugs or right? things like that or violence, mm-hmm. um, uh, that, you know, um, you, 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 you can find a healthy, uh, healthy coping mechanism. The other thing I wanted to say about pain is, um, so I lost my dad in May and, mm-hmm. uh, when that happened, whole oh, man, did I hurt. Still, still hurt. Um, think about him every day, and I hurt. And I want to get this message out there: is that I've learned that the pain that I feel based on losing my father is actually a compliment to him, mm. and all and all the joy that he brought to me, and how fortunate I am to have someone like that in my life or have had someone like that in my life who upon them no longer being in my life. Wow. I feel loss. I feel pain. I feel hurt. And that, and that, and that, and that is because they were so good. I have many friends who lost parents and uh, their parents were not that great. And the parent, the parents pass away and you know, they find out that their dad died and they're like, good, hate that guy, whatever, screw him. And it's like, Oh wow. I would much rather have, the pain of of the loss of my father than if my dad passed and I had no pain at all because I did not have a good relationship with him. That would be horrible to me. So it's a lot of pain is perspective, and that's Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to get at. And uh, sometimes a pain is a reminder of love, and a a, a pain is a reminder of joy. Um, And But also, so to summarize the whole thing, that and healthy coping mechanisms and Mm. pain, pain is, pain is a part of life. Unfortunately, pain Mm. is something that we have to experience. I'm very, I'm very yin yang. Mm. Um, and I big kind of believer in balance and everything in moderation. Mm. And, uh, you do have to experience pain to have those high points. Mm. And, uh, the, the other thing that I always think about is there's a clip online of uh, Tom Hanks, he's talking with a bunch of uh, a, a, a bunch of actors, and 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 I forget how he gets into it, but he basically says, "The quote: This too shall pass." And he mm-hmm. goes, "Just remember: Are you feeling horrible? Are you feeling pain? Are you hurt? This too shall pass. Are you feeling joy? Are you feeling mm-hmm. confident? Are you feeling like you're on top of the world? This too shall pass." Mm-hmm. So just always remembering that. This is this is a part of this is a part of life. This this is a part of the journey, the highs, the lows. When you're in the highs, love them, appreciate them, uh, embrace them, understand they're not going to go on forever. Uh, be prepared for when they don't. And the same thing with the pain. When pain happens, embrace it. Mm. It's okay, uh, and just know that it's not going to last forever. And there and there and there will be a high point that that comes again yeah 
Yeah. Well, thank you for being willing to share that. Sorry for your loss. I hate when people say, oh, yeah, well, that happened to you. This happened to me because nothing is the same. Like that doesn't help anyone when they're grieving because it's just like, yeah, but that's not that doesn't help. So I don't even want to go there. But I, I will say that what prompted the chapter was I lost my best friend to suicide. So I was dealing with the weight of all of that and feeling like, will there ever be joy again? And how do I celebrate what she meant in my life? And knowing that she brought so much joy. And so that's kind of what started that journey for me. So it was definitely Mm. not an easy one, but I felt like like you're sharing, even though all our situations with grieving and tragedy are also different, it is unfortunately something everyone at some point in their life will have to get that horrible yeah. call. And I hate to even say that, but something will happen that just kind of shifts their perspective on does, yeah. will joy ever be, will ever be a part of my life? Will I ever laugh again? Will, will things ever feel the same? And yeah. so. And I know, and I know for a fact that the people that we lose, whether it mm-hmm. be uh, your friend or my father mm-hmm. or whomever, mm-hmm. uh, they would not want you to just sit in your room and cry for the rest of your life. My dad right. would want me to go out and be like, yeah, I'm gone, but you do you. Like, mm-hmm. like get out there and do your thing. And, and the same way, you know, you look at, you look inside whenever you see, stuff happen on the outside world. But, you know, if God, you know, God forbid I pass away, I don't want my daughter and my wife just to wallow in pain all the time. I want them mm-hmm. to get out there and they've got their own lives to live and their own joys and their own highs to experience. And, right. that's, what I, and, that, and, that, and that's what I would want for them. So um, I'm, mm. I try to remind myself of that whenever I'm having one of my bad days, uh, uh, thinking about my dad and uh, just how much that he would want me to get out there and still have fun and still experience life. And cause, uh, when he was sick, that's what he wanted me to do. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't want me to stop and come to the house and, mm. you know, just sit there and be with him. He's like, get out there, like get, mm. go do your thing. I, I've lived, I've did, I did my thing. I built up a great life for you. Go live it. It's, it, it's almost an insult to him if I just stopped. Right. So, yeah, uh, 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 I'm glad. I'm th- thank you for sharing that with me yeah. about you, and yeah. uh, and it just kind of gives me it lets you know no grief is the same. But like no. you say, we 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 have all either experienced loss or we're going to. Mm. So and nothing truly prepares for it, but you can kind of start with the base, start, start with a good base. So where, so when that kind of stuff does happen, you are a little bit more prepared for it. Yeah. I think that's very well said. And I think then you hopefully get to a point sometime in your life where you say, okay, well, how do I honor this person? Because I always think it's interesting at any moment, anyone can come into your life and change it forever. And I, and I love that. So I'm the type of person I, I, when I was young, I would run out to try to talk to the, to the mailman. Cause I just, I loved meeting new people. I swear it's a miracle. I didn't get kidnapped as a child because <laughs> I loved <laughs> talking to people. My, my parents would always yeah. be like, no, you can't dare. You can't do that. Like, that's not how the world works. But to me, 
I love this idea of everyone has a story. Everyone has something to share. And you never know what person might come along tomorrow, a month from now, two months from now, and completely change your life. And for me, she was one of those people in eighth grade. And it just, I mean, she was a sister. It was, she changed my life. And so now it's, how do I bring honor through the story? And how do I share her with others, but then leave them with a, a deeper sense of joy and that their life you know, truly matters. And so we'll end with this. So people, I believe are everything. And if you have a tribe of people around you that support you and love you, and whether it's family or friends, or even colleagues who have, who have greatly maybe helped your career, we all need like a tribe. I believe that's if we can't isolated, we saw that through COVID and different things. It was, if you're an extrovert, it was the absolute worst thing in the world uh, ever (laughs) to feel like people couldn't be the same part of your life and community as it looked in the past. So what would you say about the people in your life? Because I think that's very honoring to those we lose in love and those who are currently in our life or made an impact. What would you say about the people that you would consider? What does that look like for you? And then if somebody is hurting, I say encourage, go find some people, go find some people that can, can get you through what you're going through. So is there anyone that has contributed? I'm sure a lot of people to that journey and it can be personal Jeez. career, anything. Yeah, Your call. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so, okay. So, um, to, it, it, it's like, I'm giving an, Os- an Oscar speech way too many to list. <laughs> yes, please. But <laughs> yeah, but I'll just say that like, so yesterday, uh, it was great. My best friend from high school and my and my wife and myself all went to watch WrestleMania live together. We I got tickets and I took nice. them all. And that that was really nice because I've had the same best friend that I have since high school. He was there mm-hmm. before I was, quote unquote, you know, famous or whatever, comedian, uh, successful, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like and he'll be he'll he'll be there after my scandals break. You, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. it's uh Ride or die. Yeah, exactly. And my wife, and my wife, obviously, same thing. Uh, When when I met my wife, I was um, a morning show radio DJ. I I was taking time off of comedy, and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I thought that I was going to be a radio show DJ. And yeah, that was not going well. So it's not (laughs) like um, I I see what my life is now, and it, it, it. this this is not what she was attracted to. She she was still attracted to me <laughs> mm-hmm. when this life was not here. So mm, cool. um so yeah, obviously, yeah, so wife, best friends are and they and the one thing I love in terms of people and support and that tribe that you mentioned mm. is when things are bad, man, I love going to the comedy store in Hollywood. I mm. go I'm surrounded by the funniest people in the world mm. and they're cracking jokes. If I have, if I'm going through some stuff, I bring it up to them. Mm. They crack jokes about it. That's mm. my coping me- mechanism as we discussed. Mm-hmm. So it makes me feel better. So whether it be, uh, Chris Porter, uh, my opening act, JB ball, um, uh, uh Fahim Anwar, Adam Ray, just some great, great comics that uh are always there to joke um there uh there's a there's a group of comics we uh we do fancy boys night which sounds worse than it is it's just 
it's just me, it's Chris Porter, it's Adam Ray, it's Andrew Santino, it's this guy, Mark Ellis. And okay. we all go out and we have a nice steak dinner and we have a we, we have some whiskey uh, or tequila and we just enjoy each other's company and we talk mm. about all the jokes that if we said them around our wives, they would leave us. So <laughs> it's a great time. It, it, and and I I and I think it's one thing kind of like you say, to reward yourselves for little milestones. Yeah. Uh, it, it It's always good to have that carrot at the end of the stick that you're going towards. So as soon as I'm done with a fancy boys' night, having a having steaks and cocktails with the boys, we're planning the next one. We're looking forward to the next one just so that's something like, all right, I got two more weeks on the road, and then we're all going to go out and have steaks and, uh, steaks and cocktails together. So uh, those are great, and uh, it, as you get older, as you get older, you re- you realize that the negative people in your life, you don't have to have them. Like mm-hmm. now, if you're in an office, okay. If you're you have to tolerate those people. Right. Um, if you're in, I I don't know. I I wouldn't even say family because. <laughs> To me, family, if, if someone is just not positive and not good for your life right. and you can tell that they're just a really bad, toxic person, ugh, just it's hard to do, hard to say, but let them go. Mm-hmm. Let them, like, I want people in my life that when they call, when they text, I see their name on the, I see their name on the ID and I go, hell yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be a good conversation. I don't want people in my life that when I get a call or a text, I just go, without even looking at the text, I go, I know what this is going to be. This Mm. is going to be negative. This is going to be horrible. This is going to be only benefiting their interests and no concern of mine whatsoever. And also, that's a good rule of thumb for ourselves. Be the person that when your name comes up on someone else's caller ID that they are excited to talk to. Don't, don't, don't be the person that when you call someone, you know, on the other end, they're going, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> so, true. and that's one lesson I've learned as an adult is you can really curate your friends. Um, not, not to say they have to be perfect or they have to get along with you in every way, shape or form. I, I, I have close friends of mine that do not align with me politically. And mm. that is fine. That is fine. They're good people. Mm-hmm. They pay their taxes. They love their kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they love their families. They just have they, they they just have different opinions on a couple of issues from me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're bad people. All right. Um, and just surrounding yourselves with those types of people is just the absolute best. I agree. I really thought steak dinner was like code for something, um, but nope. I, I I love that it's steak because in Texas, like steak is is a big deal, and so we rate all the yep. different. My husband and I, we rate all the what we think is the best steakhouse in town. We have our opinions, um, but other other than that, that was a side note. I think that's really cool that you do that, and I do think there are people in your life that just will always drain you. It's just how they are. They can't change. Mm-hmm. You can change, though, by saying, I'm not I'm just not going to allow this. This is a boundary now. This is not healthy. 
and there are billions of people in the world, I will just simply replace them with somebody who creates a little bit more joy in my life and doesn't deplete it. And I I think that's fair to say. I mean, it'd be great if we could live that way all the time. Like you said, there's coworkers and stuff. Um, But we definitely, for our tribe's sake, we can pick people that are uplifting and actually benefit us. (laughs) Absolutely. In, In fact, I mentioned earlier having people with different political opinions than you. Yeah. When you when you know someone is a good human being mm-hmm. at their core, mm-hmm. it makes it easier for them to have different opinions than you and act, and challenge you because then yep. they can offer perspectives that you did not consider, right? And you did not and you did not think about. And I've changed my views on many topics mm. because of the people I've surrounded myself with, who can offer a perspective that makes me go, huh. Mm-hmm. Never thought about it that way. I yeah. was thinking it from this perspective, mm-hmm. and and then they hear that and go, "Well, yeah. If that's what you, if that's the perspective you're taking, then yes, you're correct. But here's mine." And I go, "Never thought about it that way." And so it's good to be challenged. I'm not yeah. saying create your own bubble where everyone's just equal and all in th- the same and all in all all things. Just surround surround yourself with people who are positive, who are who are that net positive that they're yeah. like, "All right." Whenever they call me, I know that it's not going to be just like I know it's not going to be drama every time. I know it's not going to be I, I I I need you to do this for me every time. Right. That sometimes it's just going to be positive or just checking in yeah. or just a, a a good conversation. So yeah. be challenged. That's fine. Just yeah. Net yeah, net sure. positive. Yeah. And I appreciate you say that because politics are just like really not my thing. I hate discussing them, (laughs) but, but I'm a person of faith and, and I intentionally, I don't want a bubble. I don't want people that all think and feel the same way as me. I like having conversations with people that believe and think differently because I think, I mean, it doesn't do any good to just echo the same things. I think it's important as long as you can have respect with people, whether it's politics and religion, probably the most you know, things that cause the most tension or division, but as long as you can go in it, like, Hey, I'm curious. I want to learn. And you can have respect there. I actually think that's the way growth takes place is by being around people who who challenge you or think differently. I think it's really healthy and important. And I don't know why people are so afraid. It's like, what are you so afraid of? Someone's going to change your mind. Like, (laughs) you know what you think you believe? Like I've changed my mind about many topics and I feel better because of it. And I feel like my topic, my topic was my, uh, my, my, my opinion was not just formed because I watched one news channel or listened to one pundit or saw one person have one take. It's that I got in there and, ha- and, and got to the weeds. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you take anything away from this conversation that we've had, surround, surround yourself with joy, um, <laughs> uh, a, a pain can be a reminder of joy and you have, and you have to experience pain in, in order to in order to understand that you that that the joy is coming. Pain is mm-hmm. temporary. So is joy. Keep that in mind and uh, and uh, respect people's coping mechanisms. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you did the summary. I didn't have. I know I don't have to do anything. I'm so glad you made it so easy. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how everything we talked about like just tied into one thing after the next. I'm like, I wrote all this. This is literally you didn't even know. But um, no, thank you. It was and. And the thing I'll say is it's clear that you love what you do. And if you're fortunate enough to love what you do most days, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the traveling, the speaking to people, the sharing of the stories, um, 
you're, you're a very blessed, lucky person in life. If you can say that, like most days you love what you do and that's, that's awesome. So hopefully everybody finds their path in that, because I think there's something really special and it comes through in your art. I will say, I will end with that compliment. I have been around Sean long enough. Now I've seen so many comedians and he has an opinion and he breaks down their jokes and it's, it's become such a fun thing for the two of us to just discuss. Like, why did you like sure. this person? Why didn't you? It's like a hobby for me now to get to critique, which I probably have no business doing. But the, way, the one thing I can say is I can tell when somebody loves what they're doing and when it just feels like I got to get up there and do this because it's how I make money. And I can tell you're very in the moment and you like sharing mm. your stories. And so for someone like an audience member like myself, it's really fun to watch because it feels so incredibly sincere and you take on a very fun journey. I like, I really genuinely am saying that I don't always give that compliment. So thank, thank you. you. Uh, yeah. uh, it's, it's real. And, uh, mm-hmm. I do, I, I'm, I'm glad that's how it comes across because, uh, I do have a lot of fun up there and especially after the pandemic or if, hell, even when I take two weeks off my first yeah. show back, I'm, I'm always like, Oh man, this is fun. <laughs> this is a this the this is a really good job. I like this. I love it. And I'll never forget that your first time knowing it was aha, this is what I'm gonna do was literally completely on the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unrehearsed, unscripted, just getting up there and being yourself. I think that says a lot about who you are. So that's awesome. <laughs> thank, I've never gotten that thank answer you very by much. the way. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. I I mean, this is so fun. I can't wait to just share this because I know it's just going to go over so well because you are so interesting to talk about. And there's so much depth. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, am I just going to crack up or is this person going to totally throw me off and be very cynical? Because that's happened too. But you're just Mm. very real and um, enjoyable and deep. There was a lot of depth there. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Made it easy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go grab my wife and be like, "Yeah, someone thinks I'm deep. I, I, I've got thoughts. 